Welcome everyone. Thank you for being here on this Resurrection Easter Sunday. I hope that God is blessing you. If it's your first time to be here, welcome. I hope that, that uh, you feel, feel welcome. But most of all, uh, my prayer for you is that you experience a very real God and you experience through, it through his, through his people. Well, uh, we are kicking off a brand new series today called I Am. Listen, in our world, the identity of Christ has always been a major discussion. It's always been an issue of major discussion. I mean, in the past week especially, you've seen some things on the news, or maybe you've seen some things, there's a few movies that are out that are, that are wrapped around this, the crucifixion of Christ. Also, there's publications as you stand in line at Walmart. If, if you had to go to Walmart on Friday, may God have mercy on your soul. It was a I don't know why I went, but anyway, as you're in line there, you see some other things that are talking about this. It's, right now, it's kind of the hot topic that people are talking about, but regardless of whether or not you are a believer, at some point, you have to decide who Jesus is to you. Maybe to you, he is just a historical figure. I don't know if you know this, but the reason our calendars say 2018 is because 2018 years ago, Jesus was born. That's why we have our calendars the way that they are. Maybe Jesus to you was just a prophet or a martyr, or maybe he was a miracle worker. Maybe it's the default, he is the default position in your life. If the Bible is true, he is either your savior or he is either your judge. But at any rate, Jesus of the Bible is worth talking about. And we're going to discuss that throughout this series that we're kicking off today called I Am. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, as we lean, lean in and learn about you and your son. I pray that you will help, it up, help us to open up our hearts and our minds to receive what you want to speak to us. And if we need to change, if we need to be confronted, I pray, Lord, that you will let that be done, that our lives will be committed to you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I am glad that you're here today. One day Jesus is looking at his disciples and he takes an opinion poll of himself. He asks about popular opinion. He says this, it's in Matthew 16 and 13. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So he first asked, who do other people say that I am? And one by one they begin to say this. Well, they replied, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say that you're Elijah, others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus said, okay, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And then there was this pause. And then Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. I believe that this was a very important moment in the lives of the, the disciples this was one of those life-altering, decision-making moments because they had to decide who Jesus was for them. I think it's, 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 very, it's something very important to note that Jesus confronts them about their identity of him because whatever they decided, who Jesus, whatever their decision of who Jesus was, it was about to affect their lives dramatically. Over the next few weeks and days, he was about to ride into Jerusalem and he was about to announce to the world that he was the Messiah. So he first asked who the world thinks he is. But then they needed to solidify in their own lives who Jesus was to them. Basically, he was saying, if you don't know who I am by now, then we're in trouble. So Peter says, 
well, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And Jesus says, okay, you got that right. And then he goes on to talk about building his church. You see, their decisions about the identity of Christ would decide the future of their lives of the next days, of the next few days and weeks and months and years. In fact, it would decide their future eternal destiny. Let me say that and apply it to our lives. Your decision of the identity of Christ will decide the future of your life and ultimately your eternal destiny. Did you hear that? Your decision of the identity of Christ will determine the future of your life and your eternal destiny. It will decide the future of the life of your family. It will affect future generations, the decision that you make. It is a critical decision. In this series that we're calling I Am, we are in this pursuit of the identity of Christ, not from the opinions of the writers or not of the opinions of popular opinion in those days. We're looking for the identity of Christ from the man himself when he walked this earth. Jesus said specific things about himself. I am this. I am that. And over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into these things, who he was. Today, we're talking about the statement that he made at the raising of Lazarus. It's in John, the 11th chapter, in the first verse. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 11 and 1. I'm going to read this a little bit, and I'm going to skip around. A man named Lazarus was sick, and he lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. The third verse says, So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness is not going to end in death. So No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God would receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. The 17th verse says this. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been dead in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come from there to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary, she stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, Lord, I know that he's going to rise again when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary, and she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here, and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to Jesus, and Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where he met Martha. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed that she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell down at the feet of Jesus, and she said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, he saw, and he saw the other people wailing with her, listen to this carefully, a deep Anger welled up in him, and he was deeply troubled. I'm going to come back to that later. 
Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come see him. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man that couldn't have saved Lazarus from dying? And Jesus was still angry. There it is again. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, uh, a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus said to them. But Mary, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been in there for four days. The smell is really, really bad. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believe So they rolled the stone aside, and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said that. I said that in a loud voice for all the sake of those who are standing around here, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were bound in grave clothes. His face was wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus said to them, unwrap that guy and let him go once again. I want you to know that what Jesus did here as a miracle was no accident. This, the timing of this miracle, raising Lazarus from the dead in front of all of this crowd, meant something. In a couple of weeks, he was going to go back to Jerusalem. We talked about this last week. He was going to have his grand entrance into Jerusalem, riding on the back of of a colt donkey. And he would proclaim, and the people would proclaim, that he was the Messiah. One of the reasons he was so popular as he entered Jerusalem, because many people, probably thousands of people, were there for this resurrection of Lazarus. But try to imagine this, if you will. As Jesus approaches this place of death, as he sees all of these mourners, he, as, as, as he walks into this situation of death, he looks at Martha and he says this word, these words, Martha, I am the resurrection and I am the life. People didn't understand what he was saying, but he, they were about to understand. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Do you believe this, Martha? You see, Jesus was about to save the day but he was also about to give the world a preview of who who he was and what was about to take place in a few weeks after he dies. He was about to give them a preview of the fact that he was going to rise from the dead, and he was also about to to give the world a preview of what happens to us after we die during our personal resurrection or during the resurrection of the dead when he comes back to the earth. So let's talk about that. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. What does that mean? It means that Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Have you ever heard that before? How many have heard the phrase that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave? Let me see your hands. You've heard that before. Have you ever thought about what that means? Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Yes, amen. But we don't know exactly what that means all the time. So let me, let me explain it to you. Number one. Jesus conquered death. Jesus defeated death. What does that mean? In 1 Corinthians 15 and 54, it says this. This is an Old Testament prophecy that was fulfilled in the life, death, and burial, and resurrection of Christ. It says, then when our dying bodies have been transformed, this talks about our future resurrection, when our dying bodies have been transformed into our new bodies that will, that will never die, The scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God 
He gives us victory over sin and what? Sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is a spiritual enemy. Now, do you remember when I, when I read that about Jesus, when he walks up on this scene and he sees all this going down, he becomes angry. Did you get that? That seems like, that, that, that doesn't even make sense. Shouldn't Jesus be sad? No, he walks up on this scene and he was angry. Twice it mentions when, they brought, when they, he sees it again, he's still angry. One translation of the scripture there says that Jesus groans. But he doesn't groan like this. He doesn't go, aww. He does this. He goes, ah. He groans like that because he recognizes the spiritual enemy of death. Death is a spirit that we all succumb to. He's attacking. He's attacking in the spiritual world. He is fighting the spiritual enemy of death, and he's angry of all the things that, are, that is going on. And Jesus overcomes Death in this situation, and he overcomes death in his resurrection when he dies. Listen to this. In this life, the absolute worst thing that can happen to you is death. It is the worst thing. Now, I know that we don't think of it that way. We think of the absolute worst thing that can happen to us is a loved one pass away. But that's not, I'm talking about you individually. The worst thing that can happen to your life is for you to die because then it's over. What, what, what happened? It was, he died. Oh, well, I guess we can all go home because there's nothing else that can happen. It was, it was fatal. How fatal was it? Completely. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it, when you die, it's over. There's nothing else. It's the absolute worst thing that can happen. There's, here, here's, there's more good news. I got more good news for you. We're all going to die. It all happens to, it happens to all of us. I want you to look around the auditorium real quickly. And just around everybody, just say, hey, we're all going to die. Go ahead, say it. We're all going to die. Just put that out there. Nobody gets out of this life alive. Listen, I'm all about, I'm, I don't have a death wish. I'm, I'm all about living healthy. I'm all about being young as long as you can. I pray that God will keep me healthy and, str- and, and strong until the day that he takes me. I'm going to work until the day that I die. Listen, if you got the resources, get everything nipped and tucked and lasered and collagenized and vaporized, enhanced, augmented, painted on, tattooed on, if it helps you look and feel better, do all that you can. But listen, ain't nobody getting out of this life alive. Right? We all got to take a dirt nap one of these days. But can I offer you a different perspective from the Apostle Paul? He says, I trust that my life will bring you honor, Lord. Whether I live or I die, for me, living means I'm going to live for Christ and I'm going to give it my my all. However, dying, well, that's actually better. The Apostle Paul caught on to something that I think it's important that we understand Philippians 1 and 20, as I just read, he says, dying is even better. What is your death perspective? What is your death perspective? What is your perspective of death? Most people fear death. And I want to tell you something. I don't want to die. I don't feel like God is finished with me yet. If somebody was loading up a bus saying, you know what, we're going to get this over with. We're all going to die. Everybody load up on the bus. We're going to drive this off into the water. I'm out. All right? I don't have a death wish. It's just that... 
I don't have to fear death when my time is here. When your time is here, no longer because of Jesus, we don't have to fear death. Listen to me. Death for the believer is actually now a positive thing. Now listen, for us that are left behind, if you pass away, it's a terrible thing. When Jesus walks up on this scene, he knows what he's about to do. And he's actually taken, so back, he's t- taken back so much by the grief of people that the scripture says that Jesus wept. Why? Because death is so hard on people that are left behind. And let me tell you something. If you pass away tomorrow, we're all going to cry. Most of us will. You know what I'm saying? If you pass away, most of your family, you know, they're going to cry. I like, I like to think that when I pass from this life, they're going to have to drag people off, to my, off of my casket. I hope so. You better be up here crying. Fake it if you have to. He was such a good guy. If you pass away, we're going to have a celebration of life. We're going to put you up there on the big screen. We're going we're to show memories and pictures of you. I'm going to do your funeral if you outlive me. And I'm going to talk about what a wonderful Christian and, and how you served and how you gave. And, what a, well, I, and you need to give me some good funeral you know, stuff, okay? Make sure you do that in this life. But I want to talk about, and if you, if you weren't all there, I'll still try to say some positive things about you. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know how we're going to make it without you. We're going to be sad and lonely and cry and talk about you for years. And then we'll probably forget about you. But you know what? You know what? For you, it's very different. The minute you pass from this life, You wake up looking into the eyes of your Savior, and he looks at you with this expression of, I told you it was going to be like this, and this is why I died. And then a heavenly host is going to welcome you. Angels, you're going to look at them, and they're going to be clapping for you and say, you know, you made it. People are going to be walking by, giving you high fives. You're going to be looking into the eyes of your grandparents, your great-grandparents, people you never met before. They're not going to be, they're not going to have gray hair and be a and shriveled and sick. They're all going to be in their 30s, have great abs. You know what I'm saying? Have great hair. They're going to be looking amazing. You're going to be walking around. They're going to say, hey, come look at him. And then about a, about a minute into heaven, you're going to be forgetting about me. You don't care about this life. You ain't going to be like, there are going to be people praying that you're going to be resurrected. But you don't care about that. You ain't never coming back. Because now, what was, what was supposed to be the worst day of your life, because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and him overcoming death, what that means is the, the, the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to you has now become the best thing that ever happened to you. Amen? Amen. So that's what it means Jesus overcame death. Second of all, when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, number two, It means that he has overcome hell. Jesus defeated spiritual death. There was a spiritual death that, and there was a spiritual evil and an army of darkness in this world that he overcame. Hell is translated in the Old Testament as Sheol. In the New Testament, it is Hades. Those are interchangeable with hell. And actually, we'll talk about the grave here in just a second. That's a different sermon. I don't have time to get into all that. Stay focused, Travis. We were created, we were created to live somewhere forever. The Bible says, and it teaches us, that when we pass from this life, 
Your body goes into the ground. Your spirit goes to your eternal place. And that is either heaven or hell. Heaven is the eternal peace in a perfect world. Hell is eternal punishment and eternal separation from God. In Revelation 1 and 17, the Bible says, Jesus actually says these words to John. Fear not, I am the first and the last, and I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and Hades, or hell. I have the keys. Now, these are the keys that I have pretty much. This is just like one of many sets of keys, but this is kind of the important things that I have. I I keep these close to me. In the Bible, keys represent authority. These keys make me and give me access to different places in my life that they don't give other people. It gives me transportation to go wherever I want to go. It's access into my home, into this church, into my job, into into areas that I keep closed from anybody else. It is authority and it is access to things that no one else has. The Bible talks about Jesus having the keys to heaven and hell. He earned the keys to heaven or he earned the keys to hell with his death. I don't know what it looked like, but at some point, maybe it was during when he was dead. The Bible doesn't necessarily go into this. I know that different scholars think different things, but I don't want to say things that aren't really, really accurate. But I can tell you at some point that Jesus earned the keys. He got the keys to hell and the grave from the devil. So since I don't know exactly what happened, but I know it went down, we're going to today go into the book of Travis. It's not exactly in the Bible, but it's more like in my imagination of what the confrontation looked like between Jesus and the devil. So what happened was Jesus dies and the enemy thinks that they win. You see, that's what Satan tried to do. That's why we don't understand everything in the Old Testament. And the, the, the prophecy is a little bit of a mystery because we, I believe that the, the, the Lord did not want to reveal everything to the devil. Because the devil didn't know what was going down exactly. So he thought, I am going to kill Christ and he cannot be the Messiah. If I kill Jesus, he can't be a conqueror. So the enemy thought by killing Jesus... They would win. So Jesus, when he dies, he walks into hell, and the enemy celebrates because, and the army of darkness celebrates because they think because he has failed and we killed him, God has sentenced him to hell, so Jesus is going to spend eternity in hell with the devil, so the devil goes, welcome to hell. That's how the devil talks, okay? He's a chain smoker. Welcome to hell. And Jesus says, you know what, I appreciate that, but I can't stay. I can't say I've liked what you've done with the place. I can't stay, but I'll be taking the keys to your house. And now the Bible says that Jesus has authority over hell and the grave. He has authority over that. He has the keys now, which means that in the name of Jesus, we can overcome anything in the spiritual world. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, cast out demons in my name. I heard a, I heard a, a movie, a Western movie line the other day. He says this. He goes, he goes, uh, he was making a threat to another city, and there was another cowboy gang. He said this. He said, you tell him I'm coming, and I'm bringing hell with me. And I thought to myself, well, so what? What's that? Hell is a defeated foe. 
There are no demons and goblins and, and Satan himself. If they come against you, the Bible says at the name of Jesus that the demons tremble. Say the name of Jesus. I'll show you what demons do. Say Jesus. They're scared of the name of Jesus. That's why when you speak the name of Jesus, that, that it has power. There's power at the name of Jesus. Why? Because God over, Jesus overcame hell. Amen. Number three, lastly, Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. When he says I am the resurrection of life. I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying that I overcame the grave. Jesus rose from the grave. You know, when we die, as I said before, our mortal bodies go into the ground. And basically, we're in the ground until we are raised from the dead. In Revelation 1 and 18, the same scripture, just a different translation, says that I hold the keys to death and the grave. I hold the keys to the grave. Do you know when Jesus rose from the dead, he wasn't a ghost. For the next 30 days, he appeared to his disciples, and when he talked to them, they would touch his hands to see that it was proof. They didn't believe that it was him. For many, for, many, for many weeks, Jesus had two weeks after he was raised from the dead, he appears to his disciples in a room. And then he sits down and he eats with them, and they, they, they hold his hands, and they look at the, the, the flesh wound in his side. 1 Corinthians 15 and 20 says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest. One translation says that he is the first fruits of the resurrection. To show us what would happen to us, Jesus was raised from the dead. On the day of the Lord, or in the next life, you're not going to walk around here in spirit form. When you're raised from the dead, you're not going to haunt houses. You're, you're, you're not going to walk around in spirit form. You're going to have what the Bible says as glorified bodies. On the day of the Lord, there's going to be, the Bible says, a trumpet's going to sound. And cemeteries are going to become unearthed. It's going to look like an Oklahoma tornado hit every cemetery in Pottawatomie County. And people are going to wonder what's going on. And your body is going to come out of the ground. And you're not going to look like a ghost. You're not going to look like a zombie. You're not going to hang around here looking for brains, if you know what I'm saying. Your spirit, your body is going to go meet your spirit in the air. And you're going to have a glorified body because Jesus defeated death and the grave to show us what would happen during our resurrection. That's what it's called, the resurrection when the dead come back to life. Amen? I want to close with this. Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life, and it means that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And maybe you're here and you can say, Travis, that's really good news when I die in 50 years. Or maybe you can say, Travis, that's, that's really good news when, when, I, when I lose someone. Man, I'm excited about that. But what about the here and now? What about the things that I'm dealing with in my personal life? How does that, how does that translate into my everyday life and what's going on in my family? Romans 8 and 11 says, The Spirit of the Lord has raised Jesus from the dead, or the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in who? Lives in, lives where? In you or in me. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. 
And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in us every single day. And it's not about, it's, yes, it is to give us life in the next life. Yes, it is to give us hope for the next life. But it also is a spirit that quickens our life in the here and the now. You know, both Mary and Martha said this to Jesus when he walked up on this scene. They said, if only you would have been here. Thank you, Martha said. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much because he's going to raise from the dead just like everybody else. But Jesus says, no, you don't know who you're talking to. I am the resurrection and the life. It's not just about the great by and by. It's about what he can do in your life right now. Listen to what, listen to what the scripture says in Romans 4 and 17. Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. He brings dead things back to life and he, brings, and he, and he creates new things out of nothing. And there's some dead places in my life, Travis. It doesn't help me for you to talk about what's going to happen to me when I die in 50 or 60 years. What about now? My marriage is dying. I want to tell you something. Even if it's dead, we serve a God that brings dead things back to life. Amen? You don't understand what has happened in my family, with my kids, with everything. I've lost so much and I've, I've suffered. Things are dying around me. He can bring new and breathe new life back into your relationship, back into your family. I'm losing my children. You don't have to lose them. He can bring new and he can speak life into those situations. Travis, you don't understand. I feel like my life is over. I have suffered too much. I'm angry. I'm, I'm hurting. I have seen too much. I've, I've experienced too much trauma. I feel like I'm dead inside. Listen, it just so happens that you serve a Lord or you can serve a Lord that not only brings dead things back to life, he can create a new spirit on the inside of you. There's nothing there. He can create something brand new on the inside of you. I just want to encourage you today. Whatever's going on in your life, give it to God. Release it and let him bring new things into your life because you serve Jesus. Jesus didn't just rise from the dead. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If you believe that, same man. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. And I thank you, Lord, for ministering in and through us. Speak to people wherever we are. In Jesus' name. As your heads are bowed, maybe you can say, Travis, I live for the Lord. He is Lord and Savior of my life. However, I feel like I'm dying inside. I feel like there are some dead places in my life. There's some things going on in my marriage or my family. Hearing this message, you believe that Jesus can bring some new life and breathe new life into what's going on with you. If that's you, I would like to lead you in a prayer. Once again, this is not about salvation. This is just for the believer. You can say, Travis, I, I need God to breathe some life into some areas in my life. If you're seated next to somebody you love, take him or her by the hand. Somebody close to you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to us today. Thank you, Lord, for how you want to bring dead things back to life in our lives. You bring life to dead places. You create new things out of nothing, your word says. You can heal every situation. You can minister in every way. 
So I ask that you would do that. Lord, I pray that whatever's going on in the lives of people, whatever's going on in situations of individuals, Lord, I pray that you will meet people wherever they are. Lord, that you will show them just how much you care. In the same way that you were involved in the life of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and you cared what was going on, even though you knew the outcome, it broke your heart. And I know, Lord, that you're there to minister to people whatever's going on in their life. So right now, just by your spirit, wrap your arms around them and bring healing. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, may it live on the inside of us and bring new life in Jesus' name. If you receive that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer before I'm done here. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ, and he's not Lord and Savior of your life. As we've been talking about this, we've been talking about the hope of the resurrection. We've been talking about what happens to us when we leave this life. If you're here and you have not experienced the love of Jesus, you have not surrendered your life to him, you don't have that hope. The Bible says that we as believers, that we don't, when somebody passes from this life, we don't grieve like other people because of the hope that we have in Jesus. But to experience that hope, you have to, uh, you must accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And if you have not done that today, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come down here, single you out. In no way am I going to put you on the spot. I just want to say a prayer over you. And as I pray, I'd like for you to pray a prayer with me. But in order for me to pray this prayer, I just want to know if there are people that are serious about getting right with God. So between you, me, and God, with nobody looking around, you can say, Travis, if you'll pray that prayer, I'd like for you to pray it with me. Travis, I'm going to pray that prayer with you, and I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to get right with God. Maybe you have never given your life to Christ, or maybe you walked away from God, and you would just want to return. If that's you, real quickly, just so I know I'm praying for people, slip your hand up and slip it down so I can pray with you. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ today, and I want you to pray that prayer. I see your hand up here in the middle. Anybody else? Anybody else? See your hand over here on the right. You can put it down, sir. Anybody else? I'm going to get right with God. I don't want to miss anybody. I just want to know that there are people serious and are going to take this step today. One more time, then we're going to pray. That's me, Travis, and I'm going to pray that prayer with you, and I'm going to get right with God. Anybody else? All right, we're going to pray. And I don't know if I saw everybody's hand, but God saw your hand in your heart. So as we pray, say this prayer with us. Mean it with all your heart. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as I am before you today, I give you my life. Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life, to forgive me for all of my sins and wash me clean and whole. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And today I make you Lord and Savior of my life. I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.